This is Clinical Pearls. That feeling that you're just on the edge of puking it all up all day long is terrible. Those are the symptoms of hyperemesis gravidarium. What is the role of H. pylori with this condition? Let's find out. Nausea and vomiting of pregnancy is a common condition with prevalence rates for nausea of 50 to 80 percent and for vomiting and retching of about 50 percent. No single accepted definition of hyperemesis gravidarium exists. It is a clinical diagnosis of exclusion, so that's important to remember, and this is based on the typical presentation in the absence of other diseases that could explain the finding. The most commonly cited criteria includes persistent vomiting not related to other causes, a measure of acute starvation like large ketone urea, and some discrete measure of weight loss, most often at least 5% of pre-pregnancy weight. Look, here's how you know that researchers have a sense of humor. There is a published, validated scale to quantify nausea, vomiting, and pregnancy, and it is called the Pregnancy Unique Quantification of Emesis Scale. Those letters are P-U-Q-E. Yeah, that's right. That's called the Puke Scale. As always, as we said before, topics for the podcast come from our real-world cases. Well, since I am post-call, last night I was asked to consult on a patient at about 10 weeks pregnancy with a known intrauterine gestation, which is not a molar pregnancy, for hyperemesis. Of course, the differential diagnosis included a variety of issues, including gastrointestinal conditions like achalasia, hepatitis, pancreatitis, and of course, intestinal obstruction. The more common issue under gastrointestinal conditions is biliary tract disease. But other conditions can also mimic hyperemesis, like pyelonephritis, ovarian torsion, and even certain metabolic conditions like hyperthyroidism, diabetic ketoacidosis, and in rare cases, even porphyria. There's also some neurological conditions that can present with persistent nausea like pseudotumor cerebri, vestibular lesions, and of course, atypical migraine headaches. There's also the possibility of psychogenic conditions or drug toxicities or drug intolerance. And later on, when persistent nausea occurs at about 20 weeks or longer, which of course is now way before the onset of typical nausea and vomiting, which is usually before 10 weeks of pregnancy, the differential includes acute fatty liver of pregnancy and even preeclampsia again later on towards the second half of pregnancy. In working up the consult, of course, we did the usual battery of tests and even included a right upper quadrant ultrasound to look for biliary disease. When discussing with the physician possible etiologies, we discussed H. pylori. The physician, however, was unsure about the association between H. pylori and hyperemesis. However, that association has been well documented even as early as the 1980s, according to the ACOG Bulletin on Nausea, Vomiting, and Pregnancy which is practice bulletin number 189 from January of 2018, the college even makes reference to H. pylori. It is stated in that bulletin, quote, 
treatment with antibiotics and H2 receptor antagonists is safe in pregnancy. Gastric ulcers should be considered in patients with persistent hemorrhesis who are unresponsive to standard therapy and consideration should be given to test for Helicobacter pylori infection. All right, when we come back, let's take a look at the data starting back in 1998 by a publication by Peter Frigo relating H. pylori to hyperemesis gravidarium. Let's take a look at that next. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In 1998, Peter Frigo et al. published in Obstetrics and Gynecology their review of patients from January 1995 to November 1996. They enrolled 105 patients with hyperemetous gravidarium in this prospective study. The H. pylori serum immunoglobulin, IgG, was checked and compared to those in asymptomatic gravitas matched by week of gestation. They found that positive serum IgG concentrations were found in 95 of the 105 hyperemesis patients. That's 90% compared with only 46% of controls. These authors concluded that H. pylori infection may be a causative factor in hyperemesis gravidarium. Then, Skip along to 2014 in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. A team of researchers sought to investigate the presence of H. pylori as a biomarker for the diagnosis of hyperemesis gravidarium. Dr. Painter of Academic Medical Center in Amsterdam and colleagues conducted a systematic review and meta-analysis aimed at evaluating the utility of biomarkers in the diagnosis of the condition. Now, because there's no clear reference standard for the diagnostic workup for hyperemesis gravidarium, the investigators defined the reference test as a history of any combination of nausea, vomiting, dehydration, weight loss, or hospitalization based on nausea or vomiting. All right, now a quick disclosure before we get into this painter publication. Just because we went from 1998 to 2014, please don't think that there's just no evidence in that intervening time period linking H. pylori to hyperemesis. There's a litany of publications showing a possible causation or at least an aggravation of nausea vomiting in H. pylori carriers. Now, back to the Painter publication from 2014. This team identified 81 studies covering nine biomarkers. Among these were human chorionic gonadotropin and thyroid hormones, leptin, estradiol, progesterone, and white blood count. Associations with hyperemesis were inconsistent, although lymphocytes tended to be higher in hyperemesis cases. Now, 26 studies included H. pylori. Most studies used immunoglobulin G antibodies against H. pylori to determine whether women were infected. More than half of the studies showed a significant 
positive association between H. pylori and nausea and vomiting or hyperemesis compared to pregnant asymptomatic controls. A meta-analysis on the presence of positive H. pylori serology in women with hyperemesis compared to those who are asymptomatic gave an overall odds ratio, here it is, of 3.2. Diagnostic meta-analyses of 19 studies showed a summary sensitivity of about 73% with a specificity of 55% for diagnosing hyperemesis compared to controls. So, what did this study show? It showed that there was definitely at least an association between positive serology testing for H. pylori and subsequent hyperemesis gravidarium. The most recent meta-analysis on the subject between H. pylori infection and hyperemesis comes from February of 2018. The lead author was last name letter N, G. That's the lead author's last name. They used a total of 38 cross-sectional and case control studies with a total of 10,289 patients which were eligible for review. Meta-analysis revealed a significant association between H. pylori infection and hyperemesis gravidarium during pregnancy with an overall pooled odds ratio of about 1.34. These authors concluded that H. pylori infection after meta-analysis was associated with an increased likelihood of hyperemesis gravidarium during pregnancy, and that given the high prevalence of H. pylori infection worldwide, detecting H. pylori infection and the eradication of maternal H. pylori condition could be part of maternal hyperemesis gravidarium management. Okay, so what do we know? Well, this is just a brief reminder that not all nausea and vomiting is benign. There are some potential etiologies that can be sought for and eradicated, like biliary disease, thyroid abnormalities, or, of course, H. pylori infection. So, while we all do the routine of checking electrolytes, looking for ketosis, checking thyroid, and, of course, overt signs of infection... Don't forget to include H. pylori because it's an easy remedy and potentially could help reverse the condition. Remember, it's even in the ACOG bulletin that in persistent recalcitrant cases, an evaluation of H. pylori definitely should be considered. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Clinical Pearls.